0: Disclaimer, in this chapter we will be discussing the murder of child John JonBenet Ramsey. Some of the details may be upsetting or triggering for some listeners, so please don't listen if you are sensitive to this topic. This is going to be the only warning.
1: So in 2006, Boulder District Attorney Mary Lacey took over the case. She agreed with the federal prosecutor that the intruder theory was probably more likely what happened, obviously more likely than the Ramseys killing their own daughter. And under Lacey's lead, investigators developed a DNA profile from touch DNA that was left behind by skin cells. That's in, what I was thinking of. In Bonet's long underwear, long johns, not the panties, the long johns. So in 2008, Lacey released a statement detailing D- the DNA evidence as fully exonerating the Ramsey family, yeah. saying, quote, The Boulder District Attorney's Office does not consider any member of the Ramsey family, including John, Patsy, or Burke Ramsey, as suspects in this case. We make this announcement now because we have recently obtained this new scientific evidence that adds significantly to the exculpatory value of the previous scientific evidence. We do so with full appreciation with the other evidence in this case. Um, she also went ahead and, and issued an apology to the family. Unfortunately, um, Patsy had already passed away. So in 2010, the case was officially reopened with renewed focus on those DNA samples. Further testing has been Uh, conducted on the samples, and experts now believe that the sample is actually from two individuals rather than just one. Back in 2016, it was announced that the DNA would be sent to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation to be tested using more modern methods, and authorities hope to develop an even stronger DNA profile of the killer. And this is the only possible way that this case is ever going to be solved at this point familial dna to me i I believe
0: i don't think that the case is ever going to be solved
1: uh so cbs aired the case of john ramsey in 2016 which implied that burke was the killer despite the fact that he was cleared by the dna evidence that proved the existence of an intruder supposedly but i have a theory on that too me too um, but Burke filed a $750 million lawsuit against CBS for defamation. The case was settled in 2019. And while the terms of the settlement were not disclosed, his lawyer said that um, the case was amicably resolved to the satisfaction of all parties. A very lawyerly thing to say.
0: So he got at least a million dollars.
1: Oh, fuck. More than that. Yeah. Sued for 750 He got a little bit more than that. And this is why I was saying that Burke... I mean, I didn't mean anything by it like Burke likes to sue people. I'm just saying that Burke is... Burke is done with it. Burke is done with the shit.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So, apparently, there were... And I don't know if this is true or not. But apparently, Burke Ramsey was diagnosed with Asperger's. And... He would... Did he say that? I believe Dr. Phil did at the very end of the episode, feeling like he should probably explain the odd behavior. Oh. But when he was a child, apparently there were instances where Burke would do things like take a dump in JonBenet's bed or smear poop on her stuff or just do weird things. And, like, who things.
0: says? who said that? Do you know?
1: There were... I can't remember. This is reports from years ago. And if you try to debate people on this, they won't give you any document to look at. Yeah. But they're steadfast in that they heard it, right? And I mean, I get it. However, there was one incident that people said happened, happened, happened. And Burke said, yeah, it happened, but it was an accident. Apparently, um, Burke hit Jomine with a golf club.
0: Golf club, I thought it was a baseball bat.
1: It was a golf club. Word. But Doctor Phil asked him about it, and he said, "Yeah, it happened, but it was an accident, and you know, I was told to be careful." And
0: and like, does he admit that that's suspicious?
1: <laughs> yeah, not due not really. To the
0: nature of how she died.
1: No, he didn't show a whole lot of emotion, other than weird smiling at inappropriate times summing up the entire interview there's only a very few questions that people really wanted to know the answers to and these are those questions with the answers was he present when the 911 call was made burke said no he was in bed until after the police arrived did he hit his sister over the head with a baseball bat or a flashlight and burke answered absolutely not Mm -hmm. did he hit her with a golf club on purpose no absolutely not did he stab her with a train track no and that came from those marks on the side of her yeah. neck that look like taser marks exactly like taser marks mm-hmm. but that CBS documentary also brought up a very good possibility that those marks could fit with uh, one of them old plastic train track toys they have the little pokies that stick into the next piece Mm -hmm. that could have caused an injury that looks similar to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bizarre that a little nine-year-old boy would do that to his sister's neck. Like, well, okay. Um, And then the final question was, did he sexually abuse Jean Benet? And Burke answered as he had answered three times before. No, absolutely not.
0: Has he ever agreed to, like, a lie detector?
1: They all did but they wouldn't allow the FBI to do it. They had their own done mm. and the investigators wouldn't accept the results. Yeah. Um, Dr. Phil at one point finally says, let's clear this up once and for all. Did you do anything to harm your sister? And Burke says, no. Dr. Phil, did you murder your sister, Bonnet? And Burke says, no. Burke gives very clear denials. However, Dr. Phil, again, like he's prepping Burke by saying, let's clear this up once and for all. So Burke knows that these questions that are coming are going to be difficult. There's there's little spontaneity to his answers. Like, I am sure that everything was well rehearsed. That's Um, probably the
0: only way that Dr. Phil could get him on the show, though.
1: Oh, for sure. And I'm going to just run right out here and say this. This is around the same time that that CBS. It was right before the CBS documentary came out that Burke did this.
0: So he was probably aware. Of-
1: Burke knew that that documentary was yeah. coming out, and Burke knew what the accusations were, and Burke knew that he was suing that network. So allegedly, I think I'm. I'm not. I don't think so. I think that he has said that, like, because he came out and he sued them like immediately. <laughs> so I mean. That's what that is. I will see if I can. I'm sure that Dr. Phil has that video on his channel or something. I'll see if I can link it for you on Patreon. But it's out there. If you want to watch it, go watch it for free. But let's talk about the suspects. Patsy Ramsey from the outside. Patsy was the pleasant and influential suburban mom of two. Um, She was known for a beauty pageant winning daughter. um, And the lavish Christmas parties she threw every year. First, it's been speculated that while cleaning up yet another one of JonBenet's bedwetting accidents, um, which were becoming more and more frequent, Patsy flipped a switch and slammed the little girl's head against the side of a bathtub or toilet or something, just snapping. I don't, I don't believe that, subscribe to that. I don't especially, subscribe. <laughs> especially somebody that had fought and beaten stage four ovarian cancer, you actually think that you're... Six-year-old little girl wetting the bed is gonna set you over the edge. I, yeah, right. I disagree.
0: No, I like w- when it comes to Patsy. If she's involved to me, she gives off like caring mother. I just lost a child. I don't want to lose another one. Vibes. If.
1: <laughs> that was but crazy. I mean, we'll get to it when we talk about Burke. But I, I still, I struggle. I struggle with that mentality because how are you going to get your head so clear to think men I think when you just
0: taken action and she would have felt so lost she would have followed also if they have their own plane on standby what else did they have did they have a private investigator did they have did he have um, like some kind of like past uh, special investigator or agent as like a like a bodyguard-esque person who did background checks and blah, 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 blah. Like, you hear of really successful people like that having stuff like that. Like Donald Trump, he has his private investigator and yada, yada, yada who get paid really handsomely to make sure of the welfare of the family, no matter legal or not. So, I mean, there's just so many possibilities.
1: The next suspect was John Ramsey and this one is the most ludicrous and disgusting. There were claims that the child that he had been molesting Jominee and murdered her and the reason why it's because John knew exactly where to find her and he purposely contaminated her body by removing the duct tape and yada, yada yada, um, throwing the blanket over her and the Colorado Avalanche uh, Jersey, and then the detective being so deathly afraid of him. And, you know, just unfounded shit. And then the amount of the ransom note, $118,000, is weirdly specific and strangely close to the amount of money that John received that year for his Christmas bonus. Even still, that is ridiculous. Of course, John Ramsey did not kill John JonBenet. There's no... There's no evidence but we can move on to Burke and I am not saying that I believe that Burke Ramsey killed his sister but well, let's talk about it
0: uh, I'm between Gary or Ham
1: I'm allegedly high, uh, John and Patsy diligently shielded Burke. From the press for years after the murders and judging by the very very strange interview that he did with dr. Phil it was probably a really good idea that he did this was grown-up successful Burke could you imagine <laughs> a 9 10 11 year old work which we did get to see snippets of during that dr. Phil interview but it didn't do him any favors in the court of public opinion because he did come off as different or yeah. odd
0: As somebody with Asperger's
1: typically does. Right. So we already talked about the theory that Burke had a flashlight with him when he snuck downstairs that night to get himself a bowl of pineapple and milk. And JonBenet snuck down and tried to steal a piece of pineapple from his bowl. Burke got upset, hit her over the head. Then what? Are we trying to say that Burke took it upon himself to break the paint brush handle and make a garrote and drag her downstairs and I don't think that's what people think. injure her body and they strangle think her adults took over they think that mom and dad covered for him yeah like I mean how I can't see how a mother could get it together that quickly to be able to plan to even sit down and form words on a piece of paper let alone come up with a two and a half Page ransom letter and scheme this whole thing up and I just I can't I think
0: you heard enough in the nine one one call that she was panicking and freaking out, but she was still she was still able to form sentences and stuff. I mean, again, like is there a private investigator for the family? Is like da 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 he if that private investigator didn't have prior DNA. Did he have people on like paid like not thugs but thugs in a way? Like ex security dudes. Like, who yeah. knows what what resources they had. So all conspiracy speculation comes from the unknown of what what they had. Mm-hmm. What they could have done. Nothing can be proved.
1: Nothing. Nothing can be proved. That's right. So Gary Oliva, at the time, he was a 32-year-old sex offender in Boulder, Colorado.
0: Had he been charged yet?
1: Um, He was registered as a sex offender.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, But we all know that they don't take that kind of, they never did take that thing seriously enough.
0: Still don't. Because if they did, his confession letters over the last couple of years would have been Analyzed closer. Mm-hmm. Some people think that there are some similarities between his writing and the ransom letter. So and if that was the case, why isn't he charged?
1: Anyway. So he is a convicted pedophile. And he, at the time, he had been living in the area on and off when police allegedly found a magazine cutout of John bonnet Ramsey in his backpack after he was arrested on drug charges in the year 2000. Um, he was soon after released, but suspicions remained. Ramsey's longtime private investigator, Ollie Gray, once referred to Oliva's uh, ties to Bonnet as bombshell information. Um, basically, what's the word I'm looking for? Like
0: Obsessed? Stalker? Like,
1: not obsessed. Like when the Ollie Gray, their private investigator, like he was out bashing the police for failing to... Con- Properly consider Oliva as a suspect.
0: So I know we're talking about Gary Oliva, mm-hmm. but like you just said, they have a private investigator working to point the finger elsewhere. Yeah. That's so all I'm guessing. And I, I just wonder if they ever got like his DNA or anything like that. That's all.
1: Shortly after, and stuff comes out afterwards to the public and the police know about it a lot sooner. Obviously, yeah. These are what's known as leaks. So, a friend of Oliva's from high school, Michael Vail, stepped forward with an allegation that not long after the murder, couple a, of days. Just a couple of days, Oliva had called him on the phone and confessed to him that he had hurt a little girl. Michael revealed to a magazine that he was particularly unsettled by how the knots used to tie the garrote, and strangle John Bonnet were very similar to those used in an incident where Gary Oliva attempted to choke his own mother with a telephone cord.
0: And apparently he was obsessed with knots and paint mm. painting and paintbrushes. That's what that dude said anyway.
1: Gary was also rumored to have a possible connection to a stun gun that was that people
0: A stun gun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They think that those That next, could be those, the marks, yeah.
1: Right, and when he was arrested, he also had one, a stun gun, on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to circle back to Gary in just a little bit, but there's also Michael Hellgroth, another potential suspect. He was an electrician who worked in nearby auto salvage yards. He's described as a hellraiser tied to an alleged property dispute involving the Ramsey family. It's just not, to me, I don't know, maybe... It's not a motive to me to seek revenge by killing a little girl. Um, It's been speculated that once Michael Helgoth got caught, or sorry, that he caught wind that he was a suspect in the case, he committed suicide before anybody could get to him. His death occurred two days after a 1997 press conference announcing that the Boulder DA was zeroing in on a new suspect. But you know what? Helgoth was cleared by both DNA and his death. So,
0: But the suicide was suspicious. Very. Like, there's two different DNAs from men, yada, yada, yada. I wouldn't count him out fully. Like, maybe he was involved somehow. It's a little weird that he just went and killed himself. It is weird. I'll give the people who think that he is involved that. I'll give them that. That's fucking weird.
1: So our next suspect. In 2006, a former school teacher, John Mark Carr, confessed out of the blue to killing Jamine Ramsey in graphic sexual detail. Carr was arrested in Thailand where he'd been living after running from child pornography charges in the States. Um, He was 51 years old at that time and he injected himself 100% by reaching out to a University of Colorado professor over email in regards to a documentary that the professor professor was making on the case uh, once those emails took it like a disgusting turn obviously I mean you can't you can't make this shit up but he was obviously sexually obsessed with John Benet Ramsey and the case and that was evident in the emails mm-hmm. the filmmaker was obvious sorry the professor was very disturbed and turned the information over to the police Carr was found and arrested in Bangkok and immediately flown back to Boulder for questioning. He was ultimately cleared after his DNA failed to match the profile from the blood droplets in the underwear and also some DNA that was found on the waistband of those uh, long, long johns. But Carr's demented confession involved a series of diary entries allegedly written from the scene of the crime In one account, Carr recalls strangling JonBenet in a love game gone wrong. Close your pretty eyes, sweetheart, reads the excerpt, in which Carr repeatedly refers to himself as Daxus. Quote, Daxus loves you so much, oh god, I love you, JonBenet, and my lover's eyes are slowly closing, unquote. What a sick and twisted piece of shit.
0: How are we supposed to solve one case when there's so many fucking sick, twisted people mm-hmm. like crapping all over it?
1: So the next, next suspect, Linda Hoffman Pugh, uh, had worked for the family as their housekeeper and oh, yeah. the husband, Mervin, was their handyman. She had a key to the home. She was pretty loud she voiced her opinion that she thought Patsy had accidentally killed John mm-hmm. Patsy claimed to investigators that Linda was struggling for money and asked her for a loan for several thousand dollars of uh, the Ranzies had declined to help her
0: why did they clear them cuz i remember that dna It's weird because, like, the DNA can be from so many different places because it was so messed up. How can they, like, count on just that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I hope that they grilled all of these people as hard as they do when they do know that somebody did it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. They sit Joe Blow down and they're like, what did you throw in the river? What did you throw? Like, what was it? What did you throw? Because they know. That that person actually knows. And I hope they did that to every single one of them to try and break them.
1: Mm-hmm. But with all of these suspects, the question has to come up about the ransom note and the one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. The one the 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 housekeeper, to me, is the easiest explanation outside of the family because she would have access to every room in the house, and she would be able to not be able to, but maybe stumbled upon a pay stub or or a bank record or something.
0: Yeah, and if she was in contact with Patsy specifically, and Patsy's like golden child, like that revenge plot works out it well.
1: would it would it makes more sense than some of the others uh-huh. for sure yeah um like bill McReynolds. uh he's already passed away but he was a friend of the ramses who had dressed up as santa claus the week before john bonnet's murder um he entertained the neighborhood's children at one of the patsy's christmas gatherings mc was rumored to have paid a little too much attention to john Bonet, going so far as to arrange a secret visit from santa claus on christmas Supposedly, he had chosen jean Bonnet to be a special friend, going so far as to bring a vial of glitter that jean Bonnet had gave to him uh, into surgery, into a heart surgery. So he had this, Bonnet gave him a little present and he took it with him into surgery. And cute, but strange, even stranger, he asked his wife to mix the gold glitter in with his ashes uh, were he to die. It's a little disturbing.
0: It is. It's just. It's weird. But there's just so many things that are weird, and it just makes me think. Like also, what kind of relationship? If he was a friend of the family, was he? Was he uncle? Like vibes. You know. Even though sometimes it's not blood relative, sometimes it feels like it's uncle. Da da da. And was he? I don't know. Did he have a close relationship with her? I, I don't know. It's weird.
1: I don't know, and I mean, there have been—I mean, there were—I think—thirty-eight sex offender registered sex offenders living in a two-mile radius of the Ramsey home at that time. There have been a couple thousand people questioned and considered over the years. There, to me, a thousand and fifty-eight pieces of evidence isn't a whole lot of evidence, but I get it. There's evidence there, but
0: you think that if it was somebody like that though who um loved her so much that she, if you want to put the glitter in with his ashes and the surgery and stuff you would think if he cared about her that much that the 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 crime scene the the body would show like remorse or more remorse whether it would be like he covered the body up so that he didn't have to look at it didn't take 25 minutes to write a letter, like something. so seems unlikely
1: And I have to agree, which is why the if we're going to give more weight to the intruder theory than we would to the family theory, then we need at this point to go back and talk more about Gary Oliva. He too was cleared by DNA testing. He was charged with two counts of sexual exploitation recently for possessing child pornography. His name has resurfaced very recently, and honestly, if it was an intruder, my money's on this guy. I'm sorry, but I...
0: I agree. The only issue, again, is like the DNA, but I really don't think that they should be counting on that.
1: No, and if you go back and you listen to some of the experts talk about that amount of DNA. Yeah. Touch DNA.
0: Mess with DNA. alter DNA.
1: Do we know... We don't know if they were brand new long johns. We don't know if they were brand new panties. That could have come from... Not even tried them on, but they were little panties with rosebuds on them, and they said Wednesday on them. So if a mom was in, or a dad or something was in Walmart, and they're trying to buy these underwear, they might open it up and just touch the waistband or something to see the material. It could be something like that. So... We don't know how the DNA got there or who deposited it. So basing all of these exonerations or whatever on this DNA, I think, is a mistake. And for people to say Gary Oliva has been ruled out because DNA, I think, is a mistake. I do.
0: Yeah, which is why I say they should be hounding these people in interrogations. Like, yeah. Hours and hours and hours at a time. They yeah. should be pummeling these people.
1: And for all we know, these new investigators may well be with Gary. Yeah. So going back to Michael Vale, his high school friend Gary, or sorry, Michael had said we knew that there was something wrong with Gary. In fact, we called him "scary Gary." <laughs> he was known for breaking into places and getting art supplies. He could break in and steal things, but he was definitely into stealing art supplies and things like that. Um, he was. You know, a relatively decent artist, and we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes here.
0: Also, the only thing that I have, the only issue I have with the Gary theory is because he has, quote unquote, confessed.
1: So many times.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't he have been able to give the police some kind of detail that would have nailed his coffin kind of thing? And the final nail on It's the hard coffin. to say
1: if they've held anything back, though, at this point. <laughs> True. Um, So Michael and Gary kept in touch over the years, exchanging messages, usually using cassettes for several years after they graduated high school. And over the 16 years, things he sent to Michael got darker and darker until it was including tape recordings simulating a rape of a child and really horrible things like that. Uh, The correspondence was limited to tapes until the early morning hours of December 27th, 1996, uh, when Michael said that Gary Oliva called him. Michael said, quote, You remember a phone call you get that is that terrifying? You remember it. You remember the room you were in. I got that phone call and it's Gary's voice, but he's like panting. I just heard a little girl. Like it was the most terrifying. I'm getting goosebumps just now telling you guys about it. It was terrifying, unquote. So hours later, after Michael retrieved his copy of the newspaper where he lived, He said he saw the headline saying a six-year-old little girl had been murdered um, in Boulder, Colorado, and he immediately thought of Gary Oliva and thought he had to have been involved. So despite contacting the police tip line immediately, the police never followed up with Michael or asked him for more information about Gary Oliva. In 2021, the Boulder Police Department said that it had analyzed nearly a a 1,000 DNA samples as part of the investigation into murder and sent detectives to 19 states to interview or speak with more than a 1,000 people in connection with the crime. Gary Oliva was arrested, like I said earlier, in 2016 after the police received a tip that he was downloading child pornography. This would have been his second time being arrested. But the police noted that he had a photo of John is in his possession. And Gary admitted to officers that he was obsessed with John Bonet. He has never faced charges related to this crime. Um, but after that arrest, Aliva continued to correspond with Michael, but he switched to letters. And these letters are creepy, like beyond creepy. And we're able to get a handwriting analysis and I will post it to our Patreon for anybody that wants to see it but for me I didn't see I didn't see anything that could disclude him from possibly writing the letter it is totally possible I see what you're talking about with the Patsy handwriting I truly do
0: like it looks more identical to it than this guy's but they see similarities in very specific portions of the writing for him. So less similarities, very specific similarities, but they're there. So it's not fully
1: rolled out. Twenty years on, right? This oh. handwriting sample sample is twenty years after twenty something years after the ransom letter was written. A photo that was reportedly taken at a vigil uh, one year after the murder, taken by a private investigator who was just there taking pictures of everybody. Gary Oliva was there and he was holding a very large folder. But again, the DNA didn't match. Fair. But if we are saying that the DNA is related to the crime, then Burke's DNA doesn't match either. We don't know what this DNA is, and honestly, the way the police handled the investigation from the start, can we trust that the sample isn't contaminated? No. I would make the argument to prove that it's a good sample, that it's related to the crime, can't say it was planted. Otherwise, whoever planted it would have known who they wanted the DNA to belong to, so it is still a mystery. Like if they were trying to frame somebody and they planted DNA, they would have planted Patsy's DNA or John's DNA, because they were trying to pin, they were investigating them for the murder. So I don't think that anything was planted. I don't think anybody's being framed, but I don't think the DNA should be held to the standard that is exonerating these people, that is excluding these people. Yeah, it's weird. But again, like, how could this man, this intruder, this Gary Oliva, how could he have possibly known how much John's bonus was? hear me out Believe it or not we know that the Ramses were out most of the day into the evening till after dark that leaves a lot of time for any intruder to rummage through the house to look for valuables he's to... known for
0: breaking into places for art supplies right he is known for being interested in doing not paintbrush not he broke in he went to go get art supplies what the what is she doing up accidentally pushes her or she gets her head bashed in some way
1: he's a pedophile though he could have seen her because he lived not far away he could have broken in while they were gone and rummaged through the house and found a bank statement or anything else showing that ransom note amount thinking that he was in that house and yeah he's going to steal some art supplies but he's also going to have his way with a little girl He's going to try to take her. And now we've seen that bonus amount. He's going to get some money out of the deal. Do I think that he went in there thinking he was going to murder JonBenet? No. But his story is that he stun gunned her, went to take her downstairs, dropped her, and she cracked her skull on the hard ground. And I mean, I'll get into that little fucking confession here in a minute. but
0: I kind of could see it, though.
1: Yep, I can too. So I'm going to actually wrap up this episode with just a section of an article written by the U.S. Sun that includes excerpts from one of the letters that Gary Oliva wrote. I warned everybody that this was not going to be a deep dive into the case itself and the evidence and blah blah blah. We went through some of the suspects, we went through the theories, we went through a lot of the botched information and investigation of the case, but there's a lot more information out there. But unfortunately, I don't think any amount of podcasting, YouTubing, coverage is going to change the fact that this case isn't going to be solved. We've had two separate pedophiles confess mm-hmm. and both have been exonerated because of that DNA. So if we're putting that much stock into the DNA that we're not willing to listen to this guy whose handwriting is not inconsistent with, who lived very near the Ramseys, who could have known what that ransom ma- amount of money was.
0: Knew how to do knots. And paint is
1: still to this day obsessed with the little girl. You know. And what? had a stun gun.
0: Also Regarding the paint supplies, maybe he had stolen paint supplies from there before and knew where it was, which I believe Michael, like that friend from school or whatever, I believe he said that um, he had that uh, Gary had looked at that house before, broken into that house before.
1: Mm -hmm. So it's weird. So weird. So like I said, I'm going to wrap this up by just reading an article straight up from the US Sun because it has... Excerpts of the letters. The U.S. Sun wrote that Olivia wrote, quote, I never loved anyone like I did Jean Bonnet, and yet I let her slip and her head bashed in half, and I watched her die. It was an accident. Please believe me. She was not like the other kids. In another letter, he claimed Jean Bonnet completely changed me and removed all evil from me. Just one look at her beautiful face, her glowing, beautiful skin, and her divine God body, I realized I was wrong to kill other kids. Yet by accident, she died and it was my fault. In other letters that Gary Oliva had written to his friend Michael, he claimed to have a disorder for killing children. Quote, please don't hate me. I'm sorry I turned scum. But even when you first met me, I told you how I wanted to kill children. When I met John Bonnet, she took that away. When I first met John Bonnet, she took away that horrible craving to kill kids. She changed me into a new person, but it's okay. I've killed so many children, I've lost track. Michael forwarded all of Gary Oliva's apparent confessions to the Boulder Police Department in 2019, but the department of course brushed them aside again. Since then, Gary has continued to send Michael disturbing letters and drawings from his prison cell. In one such sketch, Oliva crafted a pencil drawing of a smiling Jean Bonnet wearing a crown and a sash with the word Bambini embolized across it. And she was nailed to a cross in the drawing. Um, written above the little girl's head are the words Jean Bonet Christ. That's disturbing. In another drawing of Jean benet Oliva wrote a poem about his love for the little girl. Quote My heart was split and a flower appeared, and Grace sprang up and it bore fruit for my God. You split me, tore my heart open, and filled me with love. You poured your spirit into me. I knew you as myself. My eyes are radiant with your spirit. My nostrils fill with your fragrance. My ears delight in your music. Blessed are the people who planted you on earth, in your garden, who grow as your trees and flowers grow, who transform their darkness into light, their roots plunge into darkness, their faces turn toward the light. There is infinite space in your garden. All the people are welcome here. All they need to do is enter. I love you, Bonnet. It will be worth it to take the blame for you. You can see the pictures and handwriting analysis on our Patreon. And also, I will be, and Bree is welcome to join on um, a YouTube channel. It's called It's Crime and Shame. I will be joining their live show to discuss um, the Ramses. Sunny is convinced that the Ramses covered up for Burke. I'm not convinced, although... I'm on the fence on that one, but I am really leaning towards this Gary Oliva. Hopefully something will happen with the case, but it seems very unlikely that it's ever going to be resolved. So, like, even after that live is done, and I'll probably put it, like, as a part two, just on this, on Patreon, or whatever. Might or we be can, a part three. Oh, are we really? Okay. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> well, this was supposed to be a quick, not deep dive. But I mean, it's a crazy case. So even after part two or three, a bookmark will remain in this one probably forever. Sadly. And, and sadly, and that's all I've got on this one. It was a lot, but it wasn't much. In the grand scheme of things, honestly, there's so much that I so much more just grazed over, yeah, barely I mean, touched. And some things I didn't even bring up. So, I mean, it's crazy. deep dives, go to the five, seven... Full season, full podcast that dedicate their coverage to this case, and they have shit to talk about for an hour every week.
0: They probably dedicate a whole show to it. Yeah. Like, seriously.
1: Absolutely. Like I said in the beginning, I really like True Crime Garage. They did a really bang-up job, and then a not-so-deep-dive, but still a decent-deep-dive go-see Murder in America. They did good, too. So...
0: Thanks for joining us for part two of the Jean-Benet Ramsey chapter, and make sure you join us for chapter three once that live is done.
1: Right, and I will post on our Facebook when the live is scheduled to happen, so you guys can all join in. Join in. You'd Have be, your word. That's right. And get to see me on, on a live show.
0: Hell yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you don't mind giving us a five-star rating, it will help our show grow. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube at True Crime Story Podcast, where the discussion can continue. Also, check out our Patreon and buy me a coffee in the link below. If you wish to contact us, you may do so via email at truecrimestorypod at gmail.com. I'm Bree.
1: And I'm sure And
0: we'll see you on the next chapter. Bye!